Blog Talk Radio. Calling all men. It's now your time for your show with your coach, the Men's Advocate Show with Linda Gross. Relax, be heard, and be understood. It's a show where men can be men. Now here's the coach who has your back, Linda Gross. Welcome, everybody, to another edition of the Men's Advocate Show with me, your host, Linda Gross. I am charged up to tell you about today's show. We have a very special guest on today, Aaron Clary. He has written a new book, and it's called The Menu. We're going to talk a little bit about that today. If you know Aaron, he is an author, podcaster, and a coach. And he's the world's only motorcycle riding, ballroom <laughs> dancing, fossil hunting. I didn't know you about the fossil part. Mountain climbing, and I see your pictures all the time with that, and a former economist. So he spent 15 years in banking to learn that the world sucks. Ah, oh, gee, Aaron. I said, life. no, work sucks. Work sucks. Not life. Oh, sorry. Work oh, sucks. sucks. That work sucks. <laughs> Must be a Freudian slip. Okay. And life is short, and it was not meant to be spent in a cube suffering from the idiots of corporate America. Ain't that the truth? Mm -hmm. Well, you know, we've had a little bit of a reprieve during COVID. A lot of people didn't have to go physically to work. They work from home. But anyway, welcome, Erin, to the show. Great to have you. Thank you for having me. Thank you. (laughs) So... Oh, yeah, yeah. Work sucks, doesn't it? It's so it does. nice. It's yeah. so nice to be able to work from home. And now everybody else, you know, because of COVID, most of the people have been working from home. A lot of people That's, don't want to go back to work. I don't it, blame that them. Is, that is the one silver lining to that entire debacle is that people are like, no, I don't have to go back to work. No, I really don't. Like, like you could say I have to and I might lose my job. But factually now people know, like, all the white-collar jobs do not have to – you don't need an office space anymore. And so I'm, I'm kind of looking forward to that where there's a change in the paradigm where right. people are like, no, I'm, I'm not I'm not taking a job unless I get to work from home. Right. So I understand that only 40 percent of New Yorkers have gone back to work. They all want to work from home. Imagine that. They don't want to commute and waste two hours of their life every day in traffic. Maybe they have a life outside of work. Who knew? Yeah. Who knew? The old school thing is that the employers never trusted you. Like if, you know, out of sight, out of mind, they feel like you're jerking around, not getting your job done. But if the work is there and they can prove that you're fulfilling the work, who cares where you physically are? Uh, Old, out-of-dated gray hairs, frankly. I saw it working in banking. Like I had the right to come into work whenever I wanted. I negotiated that. So I'd come in late at night and, and get all my work done. And then people would be upset that I'm leaving at 2 p.m. And then I found out that corporate America is so not about getting the work done and doing your best. It has nothing to do with that. It is a continuation of middle school. That's all it is. And so it's it's not a tenable environment. It's not worth it. Uh, But there, I think, a a new generation of younger people who, frankly, don't want to ruin their lives commuting and want to have a life, they're not going to tolerate it, especially two generations young where their entire life has been online, they're going to say, this is, they're, they're just going to refuse. They're, they're like, Why would I do that? That's dumb. And so that, that is, that old outdated thinking is going the way of the dinosaur. 
Exactly. And plus, the other incentive is the gasoline prices. I mean, they're like Huge. close to $7 a gallon here in California. It's crazy. Yep. I know. Who I know. To all pay the, that? I know all the people who were invested in the fringe benefit or the uh, status of having a downtown corner office. I know that may have been their trophy they pursued their entire life, but those trophies are worthless. There's no reason to be going downtown, and and people aren't. They just they just aren't because they can't afford it, and rents are too high. And people can try and fight economics. They can fight the natural law of supply and demand. But if people can't afford to go to work, they're not going to come down to work. So that, that's right. it. They'll have to figure it out. And I remember when the pandemic first started, they interviewed Bill Gates, and he used to be head of Microsoft, a tech company. He's not a brick-and-mortar company. And he said, it'll be 10 years before I allow our employees to work from home. What? That's, that's cute. What? That's cute. He thinks he has that much power. That's very cute. I, that they, can, they can say it. They can, they can make declarations, but the employees are not the one right now. We're like, we can't find employees. Oh, there's such a labor shortage. It's, it's simple. It's like, well, you pay a little bit more, and you let us work from home, and you'll find the employee. But I think that is such a – they are so missing the boat. They are so irrelevant now. I would mm-hmm. say going into the future, they just don't realize it yet, and they they can go ahead and complain. But people don't care about corporate culture. It's the corporate families. No, no, people people are not tolerating that anymore. And the, the only people that would go to that who are subscribed fully to the downtown culture and power broker, you know, I'm gonna work downtown where all the action is. I'm gonna wear my sharp business suit and get my MBA. Have fun with that. That is so outdated now. It's just people haven't realized it yet. But by all means. Corporate leaders, I put that in big air quotes, can go ahead and force this on people. People, I think, are they're out, they're done, they're not getting. And COVID showed people that that right. proved like, hey, there's a life outside of work, and uh, thank God. Yeah, it's the employers that need a reboot. I mean, you're right. They're so their thinking is so last century. And if you really want to get techie about it, with all the AI, I mean, they could measure your keystrokes to make sure you're doing your job. The camera on your computer, they could AI that to make sure you're physically in front of your computer, you know, 90% of the day. I mean, they can do all kinds of technology things to make sure you're really on the clock. Mm-hmm. Or what I would argue, it doesn't matter whether you're on the clock and there for eight hours a day or not. Did you do the work? Right. That's it. Did did the work get done? It did. And shut up and let the guy go fishing. But again, it is not about work or productivity or fit. That's why I'm not kidding. That's why I left corporate America, because it has nothing to do with like playing a game where there's structured rules and you put the highest score up there and therefore you get the trophy or the compensation. Ideally, it is a continuation of middle school. It is childish. It is petulant. It is fake. And there, if, if you have the slightest bit of self-respect, you'll dwell in corporate America long enough to get some skills, and you'll go out and you'll become self-employed in one way or another. So do you think the employer mindset will change? I mean, you know, they keep crying every day, oh, we can't find employees, we can't find, you can't, we can't fill these jobs. Do you think it's going to change, or are they yes, just going to have yeah. to die off and the, the, Yes, it, well, that's exactly, it will change because the corporate leaders will, the, they themselves, be different people and replaced by younger. I have hope for my generation, which is Gen X, I think we're kind of, straddling uh, between the two different camps in that group where it's like, yeah, why would you work from home? And yeah, you better do your work, that kind of thing. But it's not going to be until these people die off 
retire and get out of positions of power. But it will change. It's going to because let's fast forward 50 years. That would be Generation Alpha. They're not going to work at an office. They're going to laugh at it. They're going to be, remember those idiots that used to force people unnecessarily to commute trillions of lost human hours of labor uh, and, and families were ruined and we'd all stack up on dangerous highways and uh, during snow and rain. They're going to, the people are going to look back at it and say, boy, people were stupid back then. But yes, it is inevitable that's going to change. It's just whether corporations want to get ahead of this curve and start liquidating and selling their corporate office space into residential or somehow uh, repurpose those assets or or at least get rid of them so they're not renting it anymore. And they're going to build a good employee base, a good corporate culture in that regard where there is genuine work-life balance, or whether they're going to be Captain Ahab going down with the whale. And and I think a lot of arrogant, egotistical, gray hair MBAs are going to do that because that's all they have. That's what they got. That's all they got. I know. All right. Enough about them. Yeah, and we got to book something, I guess. Yeah, you got a book to pitch here. <laughs> so anyway, you always come up with such wonderful ideas. By the way, my audience, if you don't know, check out Aaron Clary's site on Amazon. He's got tons of books out there. What are you up to now? Almost a dozen books, would you say? Yeah, I would say a dozen. Ten like, books, something like yeah, that? Yeah, ten real ones. I don't know if I could say this last one a real one. But people want short, more essay-length books, so they're kind of punchy, and I call them essays. But, yeah, I got about 10 real publications. The ADD kicks in, huh? They want yeah. a short oh, yeah. sweet. No, people want it. Yeah, it's true. Very true. So what made you come up with this idea? By the way, the name of the book is called The Menu. Go ahead. What made you come up with this idea? It's kind of what what's made me come up with all the other book ideas uh, in the past, and that is when I do consulting and I talk to people, if I keep getting questions of the same questions, mm-hmm. that's usually an indication that obviously there's many other people that have those same kind of common questions. And so mm-hmm. uh, I get a lot of clients recently asking, well, what do I do with my life? So they've organized and structured their life in certain ways and managed to adapt to a reality. And the reality is both men and women are kind of abandoning marriage and family formation. And that's normally what gave people purpose and reason in life. And if you've had kids, it doesn't, it's not like you said, oh, my purpose and reason in life is having kids. If you have kids, you don't have time to think about the esoteric existential. Play. No, you're, you're buried in it. You're in the thick of it. But at the same time, you're occupied. Your point and purpose in life is to raise your kids. Well, marriage is tanking. The birth rate is tanking. And so now you have a, an increasing percentage of younger and younger people being raised under the philosophy or with the belief that, no, no, I don't want to have kids. I'm not, I don't want to get married. But then a, a certain percentage of them play their cards right. They work hard. They major in the right thing in school. They get a career. They're set. Their finances are together. And I got people coming up to me in their late 20s, as early as that, certainly in their 30s, saying, well, what do I do? And so I, I had a, I kept getting these questions like, what do I, what do, I do in life if it's not going to be fall in love and, and have kids? And I say, well, one, you got to give up that hope because based on various statistics, about half the people under 40 are never getting married. About the same amount are never going to have kids. And so this poses people in the United States, but in larger the West, a huge existential question. Well, what do you do? And so I came up with a menu, Life Without the Opposite Sex, and it's structured like a menu, but instead of food items, it's things to do in life that would give you purpose and meaning, or at least entertainment or or something for you to bide your time. 
And so that's how I kind of came up with this idea where it's like, okay, well, normally you'd fall in love, have a spouse, have a family, and have children. But for half of you, that's not going to be a reality. Uh, you got to figure out what is your life going to be about. And so this is kind of – obviously, I can't write a book about everything you could possibly do in life, but it categorizes and organizes things in life like a menu for you to choose from. Like what would you do instead of having the family, raising the kids, et cetera? That's right. Because, yeah, because yeah. that's a lot of time. I mean if, if you've been married or have children. Yo, huge. Yeah, it was your life. It was. I mean, it was you probably know. two-thirds of your life right there. Right. I got – And you know what? The government is trying to take the raising of your kids away from you. Right. The Virginia school boards, and they don't even want you to have that job. So it's even more of a what's the point. Right, right. And so what ends up happening, you know, you, I've seen it because I got nieces. And I watch their parents. Their parents don't have these existential questions like, well, what do we do? They're yeah. just happy to get a drink and 15 minutes off because, you know, raising a family is, is a no-joke deal. But if you you have your job, say you work nine, ten hours with a commute, if that even, you got to figure out what to do with the other eight hours of your day that you have and your weekends and, and your overall life overall. So a lot of people are kind of like, well, what's the game plan? What's the roadmap? And they have the time to think about because they don't have a family. So, yeah, there's these are heavy-weighted questions that I try to answer with this book. Hmm. Love that. All right, so – Let's talk about Fred. You mentioned, you know, this is a classic example, and I see so many people that are in this category. Talk a little bit about Fred from your book. Well, Fred was a friend of ours, and unfortunately, we never met kind of one of those internet friends, and he'd always be on my show and make super chats and pick on me, and, you know, it, it's the regular yeah. guy. And he was a highly – I mean, you could not become more successful. This guy, I think he was 31 or 32, young man. Actuary had the advanced certifications estimated brought in a quarter million a year, and uh, he helped me out. With, yeah, he just just you couldn't be more successful. He just a tall, good looking man. Just and he had girls, always had girls and smart girls too. These were not dumb girls. These girls were like getting master's degree in legit field, doctors, you know, other actuaries. Just mm-hmm. just like wow, look at that guy. You know, you, you kind of cheer him on because that's the guy you you wish you would have become. And unfortunately, he took his life. And uh, it was shocking to everyone in my community because, you know, he was one of the guys at the Internet bar. You know, he'd come in on the chat rooms and we all give each other guff. And then one day, Fred took his life. And, um, you know, the shock, like, what? And it doesn't make any sense. But then in retrospect, you had to go over it. He had all these girls, but he really wanted to have a family. Now, I can't speak for him, unfortunately, because he's, he's passed away. But I cannot help but think some of it was that he could never find a gal that wanted to get married. So he had a lot of gals, but they all wanted to pursue their career. They would be going here, going there, moving out, uh, going back home to their their home. Cut a lot of foreign gals he would date. And so he would have plenty of gals, but none that would settle down. The the futility and like, hey, I want to settle down and have a family – some of that, I think, I'm speculating, of course, contributed to his unfortunate early demise. And so whereas many people are – you cannot help but be depressed. When the opposite sex abandons you, and that's literally what's happened for both men and women and women for men. When the opposite sex abandons you, that is such a psychological blow, an existential blow because they're saying, well, we don't want to have kids with you. We don't want to form a family with you. I'd rather commute and get master's degrees and be in student loan debt and make money and pay taxes 
whether you are aware of that or not, that delivers a huge psychological blow. And a lot of people deal with that with drinking. There's, there's no doubt some depression and sadness, not clinical depression. You should be sad when an entire opposite sex abandons you and takes away what normally gave human beings point and purpose in life. And whereas there's going to be the common response, I think, is sadness, depression. Women have been drinking a lot more. Alcoholism is, is mm-hmm. a multifold for women. Men have gone to video games and porn, uh, also alcohol and, and some other type of drugs. But suicide is one of those unfortunate things. They'll see a spike as well, and we've seen a spike in suicide across all groups. So that that is uh, the unfortunate that's like the worst case scenario. Fred is the worst case scenario. Is another reason why I kind of wanted to write the book where it's like, look, you're here. You got some quarters for this video game. You go to the video arcade and your favorite video game is, is gone. It isn't working. You know, you want to play Pac-Man. Well, it's not working. Well, that doesn't mean you leave the arcade game of life You or the arcade of life. You play some other games. Mm-hmm. And so that's what I try to do is like, okay, well, you should still take a shot because you're here. And you certainly don't end your life. That is, that's the dumbest thing for you to do. So I try to come up with, like, hey, there's other reasons to live in life outside of the opposite sex. Mm-mm-mm. Well, for him, you mentioned that he was dating all these career girls. So he couldn't peg that down and just date a waitress or something? Well, no, it, it was kind of I, – I don't know because we never got to talk that much. You would not think he had any problems. Because he really comes in and they're they're gorgeous women and then they were smart, you know, and this one girl was from wherever, I I think Taiwan or something like that, but she was going to become a doctor. And this other gal was also a, uh, a, an actuary and, and, and it go, it goes on and on and on. And I, I don't know, I can't get into his mind, but had I known he was contemplating this, I said, well, man, Fred, why don't you, why don't you find a waitress? Why don't you, but at the same time, you know, I was young once. Uh, I was pretty, and I remember dating, and the whether it's a waitress or a corporate executive type, most women have really no interest in men either. They have been fed an equal amount of counter-narrative propaganda, alternative lifestyle, and um, whether you're a waitress or a, a med student, doesn't matter. These girls really don't have that much interest in marrying men and settling down. They're like, this is their party time. They want to get out. They want to find themselves all the buzz phrases that you hear them say. A lot of them are in, in financial crippling debt because they went to school for some kind of worthless joke of a degree. So it's not like there's a lot of women. Barista are not pining to get married. I, I don't think women in their 20s are, are there so I think, Fred, among many other men, if, if you are marriage-minded, it's a statistical unlikelihood. And so I could see where it became very futile, at least in Fred's eyes. Plus, I think a lot of these young women are so delusional to think that they can delay time. Well, all the time you have for a woman, if you're going to have a family, is typically up to age 35. After Mm -hmm. that, can you get pregnant? Yeah, but the odds are really against you. And unfortunately, the odds are for you to having some sort of birth defect. So really, Mm -hmm. the best time is, you know, 18 to 35, right? So anyway, they're so deluded now because they think, oh, they're going to steal father time there. And time doesn't matter to me because I'm just going to freeze my eggs. Well, here's a little fact that they don't bother to tell you. Only 20% of the people who freeze their eggs, it works. 20%. Mm -hmm. You can pay like, you know, $50,000 for 
for a 20% return on your investment? I mean, you're in Vegas. Those aren't great odds. <laughs> no, and it's, it's expensive. And, and in the book, now the book is also written for women too. I have a, a menu for women, and this is one of the harder things I had. Not a, a huge hard problem, but it was difficult where if you remove the other from your life, you remove love from your life, you are faced with a very macabre reality. Now, I think men have been in this reality because generally women have rejected men in a general sense. But for women, I had to say, okay, well, if you remove men from their life, what gives women's life's value? And it's dark. It's depressing and sad. And so I still had to say, okay, well, what if they still wanted to have kids? And I started researching what are, you know, egg freezing technology, what are the statistical chances? And I don't think women realize, like, you know, I don't know if they told you girls about menopause and how, you know, if you had sex education back in the seventh or eighth grade, but you do have a clock. There is limited time to have children. And if you're going to do it right, you got to do this in your 20s. Because right. the quality of eggs in your 20s are much higher and therefore stand a higher chance of surviving the freezing and thawing process. You put your eggs through a lot of torment when you go with egg freezing technology. And so that's why they recommend that you do, I think it's like five batches of eggs. Mm -hmm. And they don't just go get one or two. Uh, it's, it's somewhat of an invasive procedure. And they try to get a whole batch of eggs. And so this is some ladies have to think about in their 20s, which unfortunately, I think they've been so heavily propagandized to do what you want and forget about any kind of responsibility like 401ks or financial planning or pay off your loans. I think it's all, frankly, I think all society is trying to propagandize and profit off of, of young women at that time. No one comes in with the sober, somber facts like, hey, did you want to have kids? You got to think about this now. And by the way, it's very expensive. Right. Not only to get the extraction, but to maintain the eggs at cryo chambers and, and things like that. And your average 25-year-old girl is not being introduced to these facts or these realities. And so, yep. as you point out, but they're, they, all of a sudden they start thinking about around 35, 36, 37, 38, and it may be too late. Well, okay, it will be too late for the majority of you. Even with egg freezing technology, you have frittered away your time. That window has closed, and now you're facing some severe statistical challenges about having a healthy child. I mean, it's still possible, but there's exponentially increasing costs. And so, yeah, there are consequences to us lying to each other about the nature of men and women and abandoning one another. And there's some good philosophical things that come up about this where it's like, okay, what is life outside of the opposite sex? What if your spouse dies tragically early? It would be good to have these what is life – purpose and meaning outside of sex from an academic or a philosophical standpoint. But in removing each other from our lives, there are definitely some psychological and in the case of egg freezing, financial costs involved. But, but we don't know who's talking about this because it's very mm -hmm. popular and edgy to abandon the opposite sex. Oh, yeah, because the medical community wants you to think that this time doesn't apply to you, but it most certainly does. I think, you know, the menu proposition that you write about, I think it affects men more than women. And the reason why I say that, I think probably women's biggest question, one of the biggest questions is, are you going to have a kid? Once you get past that, whether the answer is yes or no, I think women are perfectly happy like they don't need a meaning of life kind of moment because they're going to stay home. They're going to be in their sweatpants all day. They're going to eat Haagen-Dazs. They're going to watch their reality TV and pet their cat, and they're all good to go. 
it's done. I think men have the burden of what am I going to do with my life? How am I going to feed my family? You know, how Legacy. how am I going to raise my sons or daughters to be better than me? You know, it's like men think more futuristically, I think, and more community-wise. I yeah, think. And, yeah, and there's and there's there's some evolutionary reasons for that. Men were ultimately responsible for the survival of the tribe or the family and right. stuff like that. And that's where I kind of where I'm wrestling now. I can't claim to know everything, but looking at the statistics and data and behavior, this endeavor writing this book, among with my previous book, I'm rapidly coming to the conclusion that well, I know I know for a fact women don't like men as much as men like women. I know that much. You can look at various statistics and behavior, and one can argue well deep down inside they're just pining for Mister Charming and Prince Charming to come along. Yeah, but your behavior in the real world indicates you're only fractionally interested in men as much as, as men are women. But was, one of the statistics I found here when writing the menu was after marriage, like the first marriage, and certainly after menopause, women's interest in marrying men drops like a rock. They have, I wouldn't say effectively no interest in marrying men, but they do. men are always more prone to get remarried after a divorce. Men suffer the worst in terms of post-divorce and recovering from that. Women tend to recover a little bit quicker, but the statistic new data that stood out for me was how after marriage, after a divorce, women certainly past a certain age really just have no interest in marrying men. And I don't know if that's bioevolutionary consequence. I think consequence. it's hormonal. I so think maybe it's, it's hormonal. Hormonal, when you right? stop getting your period, I mean, t in order to create your period every month, the body is dumping certain hormones to make all that machinery work. So mm -hmm. once that stops, your push to have a kid also stops. And if the push to have a kid stops, it's like, why even bother with the men? So it right. all goes, I think it's all hormonal. Absolutely. Right, right. And, 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 the, and the other thing that you were saying, I totally concur that women could care less about men. This is like another gigundo secret that women keep from men. They could care less about men. They really, yeah. it's all and that's, show and tell. Because you right. know what? They all <laughs> wish they were Virgin Mary. They all wish they could get pregnant without a man. They're just going to walk to the sperm bank, pick out Mr. Wright. Oh, look how cute he is. He's got a nice picture. And that's the end of that. There's no effing. There's no nothing going on. Mm. So that in most women's minds, in my opinion, from my research, that's everyone wants to be a Virgin Mary. They right. don't want and the I, man. Well, and I, I feel I don't want to draw that conclusion. Of course, you know, 300 million people in the U.S. Some women do like men. I've, I've met them. They're wonderful women. But on the whole, if we're going to look at the macro, I tell guys this. I say, look. How many? And this we're going back to the '90s, back when again I was young and pretty and dating. I was stood up 70% of the time. So girls, you know, a certain percentage would say yes to a date, but 70% of the time they wouldn't show up. Obviously, I always wanted to have sex. You know, if the girl was pretty enough, and girls were obviously the majority of the time not. And then you look at divorce, who files divorce. Women aren't hiding this, right? They even tell you. They've been telling us since since I was alive that women didn't need men. And what I what I kind of argue with men, or I, I ask men to do, is like, okay, just stop and remove your biological, romantic, sexual, psychological interest in women, and just look at their behavior. They really are not that interested in men. And if they are interested in men, you have to be such a top tier performing man that they would start actually acting like an equal when it comes to courtship. Like they would ask you out half the time. They would initiate conversation. But generally speaking, women on average have very little interest in men. And this is a sad 
realization or fact or reality or whatever you want to call it. But once you understand that, one, you start reprioritizing your life to be based more on reality. But another thing is you stop harassing these girls, asking them out and bothering them, unless, again, you're this top-tier guy. But I would say – so you are right. Yes, this book would probably affect men more and help out men more. But at the same time, without a husband – and women kind of maybe have a, a little bit of a, a heads up or a head start on this because they've been speculating and uh, theorizing life without men ever since I'd say the 1960s. So they're a little bit further down. Uh, that being said, I still think women at a, on a subconscious level still at some level want to have men in their life. And without men in their lives, you still have some kind of fallout. That's where I see a higher intake of uh, antidepressants, more and more. highest percentage of women are on antidepressants now, uh, coping with wine. And, okay, you get the cats. And, you know, you think that's a stereotype, but it's a stereotype because it's, it's shockingly true. They sublimate or compensate going into career professions. But I'll tell you the simplest thing. I don't see any of these women being happy. And you go online, and what are women bitching and whining about? Men. It's like, well, you could go get one anytime you want. And so I don't think this is beneficial to anyone. I don't think anyone's coming out of this unscathed, including women. Yes, I think women are, are more prepared for it and biologically predisposed to be without men. And maybe you've got to get to menopause to get to that point. But I don't think younger generations, not one person is going to come out unscathed from this. So, yes, I think men are going to suffer more because uh, they have a more vested interest in women. But women still have at least a tacit and somewhat at least existential uh, investment in men. And I think it, it's going to be unconscious. It's going to torment them, and they're going to be miserable, which is what I'm starting to see in my generation, where we got a generation of 50-something spinsters coming online like you would not believe. But we'll see how it plays out. It's a, it's a sad consequence, a sad reality. It could have been better if we worked together, but I, I think everyone's going to be pretty sad and miserable uh, when this is all said and done. It is a sad state of affairs. By the way, audience, if you'd like to call in on this topic, we're talking to Aaron Clary, who's the author of The Menu, What Do You Do With Life When There Isn't a Family or Kids or What Have You? What are your other options? What else is on the menu? So call him. Find out. 323 323- 642-1677-323-642-1677, or you can use the chat line right here on blogtalkradio.com, blogtalkradio.com forward slash DT Linda Gross, forward slash DT Linda Gross. We're going to take a quick break right now, and when we come back from the break, let's talk to Aaron, and we're going to find out why is steak not on the menu. Catch you right back after the break. Hey guys, do you have a nagging problem that you just can't get a handle on? Now you can talk to an expert coach right in the privacy of your own home. Meet in person, over the phone, or with a free Skype call anywhere in the world. Linda is here to make it easy for you. Linda Gross has done years of academic research combined with interviewing over 20,000 men. Linda's expert advice gets you through tackling relationship issues, business goals, conflict resolution, and removing lifetime roadblocks that have kept you back, usually handled in four sessions or less. Realize the benefits now. Go to the Men's Advocate page slash coaching and you'll be on your way. That's themensadvocate.com slash coaching. 
Darn! Maybe you missed part of this show. Maybe you're still at work during the show. Maybe you heard the show but would like to listen again. Your problems are easily solved. Listen to any and all of Linda's archived shows at your convenience. Just Google SoundCloud The Men's Advocate. That's Google SoundCloud The Men's Advocate. The on-demand library is also available on the TuneIn app. Subscribe now and please share with your friends. Welcome back, everybody. You're currently on with me, your host, Linda Gross. We are talking today with my guest, Aaron Clary, who's the author of The Menu. Check out his book. You can get it on Amazon. You can get this book and all of his books on Amazon. Type in Aaron Clary to your search bar, and you can find out more on his site, captaincapitalism.blogspot.com. Again, that address is captaincapitalism.blogspot.com. You can find his coaching, you can find his blogs, his books, any way that you want to contact him and reach him, you can find it from that site. All right, Aaron, welcome back. Let's talk about why isn't steak on the menu? What is steak, by the way, and why is it not on the menu? Well, steak was a metaphor for usually if you go to a steakhouse, you go there for steak, and I would argue that in life, steak was whether maybe you have kids, maybe you didn't, but it would start with a spouse that you loved in theory. And then there'd be little use pretty soon following around. And then you would have a family and then maybe your little use would have grand use. And then you get what I would say would be the pinnacle achievement. And that is grandparent status. Cause then you can spoil around the little, the little grandchildren and have a grand old time. And then you look at your family, you pass away. And, and that was, that was steak. That's what life was about. But as you know, like sometimes you go to a restaurant and they're out of steak. And uh, I, I would say uh, in part because of feminism, but for other reasons I'll get to later, steak has been removed from the menu. I would say women initiated it where, well, we don't want steak. We don't need steak. And how dare you suggest we want steak? And men are kind of like, well, okay, it's kind of been taken off the menu for them. And so people are now sad and depressed that there is not steak on the menu. And so, but the, again, the, the whole point of the book, well, sometimes there's fish and chicken, there's other dishes. You showed up at the restaurant, you might as well get, you know, sample everything from the menu that you can. So it's there. But the, the main reason that you know, men are off the menu and women are off the menu uh, for each other has been basically technological advancements and the consequential economic growth that came with it. Previously, let's go back all the way to the agricultural revolution. Men and women needed each other. Women needed men for protection. Men needed women to take care of the kids and the household, and we couldn't procreate on our own. And so because of scarcity and poverty, we, we kind of needed to team up as husband and wife and take on the world together. Mm-hmm. But in each revolution, starting with the agricultural revolution and certainly industrial revolution, what that did was free up a lot more of our time. And what happened for a good century, at least, is that standards of living improved. So men were not toiling in the field, but rather driving tractors. And women were not hand-washing things, but using um, washing devices and vacuums and things like that. And it freed up more time. But throw in the information revolution, just general gains in economic efficiency, we had huge booming economic growth, also coinciding with free market economics 
and democracy, which allowed people to keep the majority of their wealth. And so we had this huge – past 200 years, just unreal economic growth. You know, all the economic growth in the history of humankind has happened in the past 200 years. Well, not only did this afford us more time, but if you start having democracy thrown in there, people like voting themselves in free stuff. And soon, women really didn't need men to survive. In the olden times, women were beholden to men, whether you liked it or not, uh, to kind of be the provider. They were dependent on men. Well, now, especially when women got the vote and democ- uh, democracy was important, and just human thing, uh, human ethics, well, why wouldn't we want to help out women and children? Yeah, we should kind of have a little bit of a safety net. Well, now, women have absolutely no need for men, and it's, now it's purely a choice. Whether or not you know they, they want to do, it. And, and me being a libertarian, I'm for volunteerism. Like you don't want to be forced into something. But men and women no longer need each other, which has been made to us abundantly clear by feminists since the 1960s. But yeah. they're right, and so now we no longer have starvation and death and hunger and cold forcing us together. Now it's really a choice, and now that we don't need each other, we no longer have to form families or at least combine forces. To get by anymore, and so when you have a choice uh, and you're not forced to do it, there's a lot less transaction. Uh, a lot fewer people are saying, "Well, I got to show up. I got to find a man." No one needs to find it. So that lack of demand has resulted in a lot less steak being on the menu, and so that's why what we came to life for is no longer there. Love is no longer on the menu because we don't need each other anymore. One can make the argument, "Well, is it love if you really needed each other?" Uh, true, uh, that's true. But in needing one another, you had to assess the quality and caliber of the individual to make sure you chose the right one. Also, in needing each other, that forced on both parties to become the best version that they could possibly be. Now we got the opposite. We voted in so much free stuff. Men are weak, pathetic soy boys that are nothing approaching real men. And women are afraid. I'll be very honest fat, disgusting, loud, obnoxious, unfeminine. Women who are trying to LARP as guys, and so there's there's no demand for for each other right now. So there's very little reason to even go to this restaurant for steak anymore because you wouldn't want the steak if it showed up anyway. So that that's kind of why steak isn't on the menu. <laughs> so is there life after not wanting to have a family? I mean, can men sustain themselves by watching porn and? Doing that for forty years? Well, you have see, and that's the that's the challenge. Another four, like if you're forty now, doing that yeah. for another forty years. Right. Well, see, what choice do you have? Your only choice is to take the Fred pill, quote unquote, and end your life early, or to continue on. It's a very dark proposition everyone's facing right now. Yeah. Okay. The reason I'm here for the millions of years of human genetics and evolution that's been screaming at me to give me value and purpose in life, that is gone. It's like showing up to a baseball game and, and there's no game going on. Well, what do you, well, this is the only game in town. So right. I would argue by the fact that you exist, you have to figure out something to do because this is your one blip in the, of existence in, in the entire universe. And so you, you owe it to yourself to find something to do. But man, it is a hard uphill battle to find existence and purpose in life when what you're presumably programmed to come here to do has been removed. So your choice really is, well, do I end it early or do I see what else is here in life? And I would argue, obviously, while you're here, while you're conscious, while you're sentient, go and find something to do because you literally have nothing else to lose. Like we, if we take Fred as an example, 
let's say Fred uh, gave up his pursuit of women and family. Well, Fred could have done and, – and, and in the menu, I go through everything you know, categorically, not every individual item. But you could go hang gliding, power parasailing. You could go scuba diving. You could read books. You could get philosophy. You could find religion. You could join a community. You could go golf. I mean it literally – and I've talked about this with suicide before. I'm like, well, look, before you commit suicide, literally every option in life is on the menu because if you're going to end your life, well, who cares? And I – I make a joke. If you want to take a dump on Nancy Pelosi's stoop, go ahead and do it. Why? Your option was death. And so I think <laughs> if people take this bird's eye view of life and opportunity, uh, I, I'm not recommending you actually go to Nancy Pelosi's house and drop a deuce on her stoop, but I'm, I'm using it as an example. The argument logically for remove emotion and genetic programming obviously is to stick around, try your best. I'm not saying leave a legacy for notoriety or popularity, but go do what you want and enjoy life. And maybe maybe a, a loved one comes along, maybe you find the right person. There's always that chance and that option. But death, ending your life early is certainly not. And so since that is not an option, you are compelled, I would argue, to go and make your life count as much as possible in whatever capacity and regards and, and options or items from the menu you'd like to to order. So to me, it's a no brainer. Like, obviously, don't kill yourself. But right. then also don't be depressed that something as, that is outside of your control is not on the menu. So when do you think is the most opportune time to notion that there is life beyond family? I mean, would that number be 18 or 21, 25, 30? I mean, or puberty. do you wait until you're 45? No, no. Or do you no. run out, out of options? Or? Puberty, because you're, once the genetics or your, your hormones rather kick in, uh, I know yeah. young men aren't going to obviously like, oh, girls, girls, girls. And girls are the same way. Oh, guys, guys, get, you know, girls get guy crazy. Yeah. I think starting at puberty, we start introducing at least the concept. I'm not saying go full bore and give them the book, but – just basically say, okay, look, here's how I used to work in the olden days. Now we really don't need each other. And if women – and I think the schools would be only more than happy to teach us. Women don't need you. Girls don't need you. And normally you would have family and kids, but that's kind of being changed right now because of advances in technology and, and, and frankly, the choice of women. So I know you're really horny. You really like, oh, girls, boobies, oh, isn't that exciting and new? But – Check yourself and realize these – I wish – one thing I wish girls would tell men is they would just say, we're not that interested in you. I think that would, that would clear up would a help, lot of confusion. Huh? Yeah, it would, it would clear up a lot of confusion among men, young men and boys. And then the, the good byproduct is men would stop asking you girls out, uh, ugly men that you're not interested in, and girls would just say, look, you've got to be six feet tall. You've got to make this amount of money. You have to be captain of the football team. Whatever it is, we're really not interested in the majority of you, so don't even bother. And I think that would allow men to say, okay, well, then I do go play video games and look at my porn or find something else to do get, go become Nikolai Tesla. Girls would also then not be bothered as much by boys and men. And I think that would and, – and above all else, the confusion or the lack thereof, you would not have this confusion anymore. So I think introducing this concept, albeit a watered-down and not such a dark, nihilistic view, I think a watered-down version of this would be properly introduced to you know, 13 or 14, so you're not going through high school all tortured, both uh, men and women. But then a more serious one, like say certainly by this age of 18, definitely by the age of 20 you got to drill it into the heads of especially men. 
look, they're just not interested in you. Before you go waste your time getting an MBA and a McMansion and all and buying a car because you think it's going to get you the girls, please invest your time and money and resources wisely and do not expect to have a family or children at this point in time. Right. So this harsh reality you're saying is really an act of kindness that, you know, swallow this pill because this is really the truth. This is really what's going on. All truth is kindness. All lies are uh, pain and evil and harm. I have no problem telling people, don't have more kids. The reason you're poor is you have more kids than you could afford. I'm not saying that because I'm jumping on your, your poverty. I'm saying it so other people don't become poor like you. And so I've, I've had, you know, ladies, stop majoring in dumb crap. I don't care how much that, oh, you're destroying my dreams. Yeah, well, it's better than you going and getting $150,000 in debt for a worthless degree. I actually care more about people than people give me credit for. Yes, telling people the truth is very important. I would say it's the most important thing because, yeah, I may hurt to tell little Jimmy, hey, Jimmy, you know, your your dad was only five foot eight. You're probably only going to be five foot nine. You're kind of scrawny and you got acne. The girls are just not going to be into you. And you really ought to think about getting into engineering and certainly work out and become the best version that you could. But you should just kind of give up unless a girl's giving you very clear signals. And even then, she's probably playing a joke on you. Unless you look like Bobby, who's six feet and good looking and all that, you're really not going to – you're going to be bothering these girls more than anything else. And then for women, I guess the counter would be, look, I, you, you think that just because that guy had sex with you, that means he really likes you? No, you're slightly overweight. He was just horny, and sex does not equate to commitment. So don't be slashing his tires or yelling and screaming at him, throwing rocks through his window. He just used you. And he has no interest in you long term. Also, by the way, freeze your eggs before you're before you're 30. That that kind of thing. And it may be harsh and it may it may hurt up front, but it's going to save these people a lot of pain and agony in the future, and drastically improve their lives as much as it can be in this new environment. Hmm. So I think another avenue for the men to consider, although not everybody is artistic, is maybe do something artistic. Mm-hmm. If you can. And if you can't, men love to build things, build ships, build bridges, build, you know, work with your hands, maybe even, build, you know, build a garden, start a garden. But I think men are doers. They, they find solace and comfort in building something or creating something. So if the family thing is off the table, maybe the artistic endeavors are the way to go. Certainly, and, or at least industrious. I have a subchapter, I think it's not a chapter unto itself, called The Bachelor Hut. In today's high real estate costs, uh, most young people can't afford housing. But, I mean, there's a way a, a young man and young women, if they care to learn the carpentry skills, it's like, well, look, you just go buy some land and you build your own hut. And they even have prefabricated sheds that are essentially a one-bedroom or maybe a two-bedroom yeah. apartment or a house that are prefabricated for $20,000. Now, you got to run the electricity and the plumbing through it, but – that's a huge project for you where you got to put in the insulation, you run the, the wiring, you run the, uh, the plumbing, you put in a little wood-burning stove. That not only is going to give you purpose and reason in life for, I would say, at least a year because unless you've done it before, it's going to take you a while to build that. It's also going to drastically improve your personal finances where, okay, you don't have the five-bedroom, four-bathroom house in the suburbs, but you got your little piece of land. You have lodging. It's taken care of. And consequently, most women don't have an interest in starting a family with you, so it's not like you needed extra rooms. 
And already, say by the age of 20, if you start at the age of 16, kind of learning your carpentry skills and all that, you'd be in a pretty good financial position being a homeowner and having significant equity in a very small, if any, mortgage on your little bachelor hut with your two acres of land. So that's an example of something to give you existential purpose. There's other things like going to the gym. I mean, again, everything is on the menu, but your larger projects, especially when it comes to and building things, rebuilding a car, any kind of building, any kind of thing that you're building your computer, that's going to give you a lot of purpose and value in life. And, and it'll also take your mind off of the fact that girls really don't like you that much but right. while, while improving your finances. So, yes, there are a lot of things men can do as well as women that will take their mind off of it and improve their life as well. Now, I know there's been an explosion of women turning gay, and I've interviewed some of these women. I'm like, why are you doing this? And they're like, you know, I just give up. There's not enough good men out there, and plus it's easier. Of course, it is easier. It's the same sex. The other woman already knows what to do. You don't even have to instruct her. When she gets down to business, she already knows how Mm -hmm. this all works. So my question to you is, based on your coaching and what have you, I haven't looked at the stats lately, but are higher numbers of heterosexual men turning gay because they've given up on women? No, no. So, right? it, it, no, what, what, it, what it is, it, it's a cope is what it is. They came out with a survey, and I think it's like one in five Zoomers identify as not straight because all the different various yeah. genders. So I, I just say not straight, which I found out is not the same as non-binary. I was, I was corrected on that. But anyway, so they're claiming not to be straight. Um, one, that is hugely to be popular. Uh, these are straight people insulting non-straight people by, by claiming. It, it's no different than getting a designer jeans. It's like, oh, look how edgy I am. I'm totally, totally gay or I'm totally bi. That is an insult to people who are genuinely not straight. Uh, so there's the popularity aspect among younger people. And it's women, I don't believe for a second they actually are uh, homosexual or not straight. I think they're just doing that as a cope. Uh, what concerns me is, uh, I don't know about you, but if I had to participate in gay sex, I'm straight by the way, but if I had to do gay sex because I was lonely and didn't want to hit the gym, that would so mess with my mental health being Mm -hmm. something I'm not, especially something as intimate as my sexuality, to the point I engage in that type of sex, that that you are not going to come out of that without a mental disorder or or mental damage. And so I'm afraid that because women are, I don't know, uh, too lazy to live up to men's standards or deliver what men want or... I'm just going to go and be gay. That's not how human biology works. Not how it works, works. yeah. No, no. And, and okay, fine. If you want to go try it, uh, I'm a libertarian. You have every right to do what you want. But if you're lying to yourself and you're doing it because you're lonely, but then you and your girlfriend go at it and it's not – you are not going to walk away with from that mentally unscathed. Uh, now, if you're hot, sure, I, I love having threesomes. Come on over. That's great. But to be serious, you are not going to walk, and you're just going to make yourself more miserable. Uh, so I think that is a cope in addition to for younger people being popular and edgy, while not to mention insulting those in the genuine non-straight community. Gotcha. So you're saying it, it's decidedly, it affects you decidedly different between Right. Them. And to answer your other question, yeah. no, men are not doing this. I know some of the weak soy boy men are like, oh, I might be pansexual today. No, no, no. The guys just go to porn. There's yeah. no guys like, yeah, I want to get a sword fight going on. Ah, I got shot down by Susie Q. Ah, I just like, I like guys. No, no, that's not happening. And the only reason you'll see a guy do that is because they're sneaky. 
they're yeah. lying and they're trying to curry political favor. But no, your your average guy's like, nope, I'm gonna I'm gonna go look at porn. That's what they're gonna do. <laughs> well, one thing that has exploded, and I did a show on this a few years ago, is those AI dolls. Oh. Oh, yeah. People are laying down 2,000, 5,000, 10,000 for these deluxe model dolls that are very lifelike. One of my favorite podcasters I listen to because I disagree with him, his name is Turd Flinging Monkey. I guess he is the premier spokesman for having one of those AI dolls. And he makes a compelling, logical argument. I disagree with the premises, but he swears by it. And I know that's fringe. It's a very, very, very small percentage of the population, but it is growing. What it's more, what I would make it more akin to is if you've ever had a dog or they did studies, I guess, with monkeys where the dog does, a female dog does not have puppies. They'll carry a, a doll around. And kind of treat that as their child. They, I think they did that experiment with monkeys. But hey, you could say the same thing with the modern day women with their cats. Uh, I think guys also have a nurturing aspect that can manifest itself if you have a doll to tend and care to. It's almost not even sexual with the doll. It's more like you know having a conversation with a surrogate stand-in artificial intelligence female. So, you know, having having a romantic dinner, um, uh, he talks about uh, dressing them up, uh, and that's where the AI comes. If it was just sexual, you just have a doll, and it would be a masturbation toy. But because there's AI programming now that goes into this, it shows that men also want to have an intellectual exchange or a, a romantic or psychological exchange. But that is that, I think, is, is a bit fringe, though telling and indicative of, of where men might go. Yeah. Well, supposedly these AI dolls, the information is cumulative, which means that the more you have sex with the doll, the more they know your mannerisms and what you like and what you don't like. And, you know, so. Yeah, it's sad because, yeah, you. you, Very alluring. (laughs) Yeah, you can't, you can't, you're never going to be able to replace a human with artificial intelligence because there's no original thought. That's why I have uh, one I disagree with the sex doll. I mean, go ahead, go ahead and do it. But you need a a human being there with choice because that choice means they're investing their time with you. And that is what I would say true love is. I mean, just like friends, your friends hang out with you because you like you. That's vindication that you are worthy of them and they are worthy of you. And there is the intrigue and intelligence that your buddy Bob might do something you don't expect. But if you can't get that, yeah, the the next best thing is an artificial – and they're becoming very advanced, but – like any computer program, you could figure it out and then just get the cheat codes and then it's not that challenging anymore. So it, it's, you know, men are being replaced by toys and I guess other women because, oh, I guess I'll find other women. But women are unfortunately being replaced by porn, obviously. Another fascinating thing is, is the fans only girls like where it's not even necessarily the porn, but the interaction, but it's the allure or the facade of interaction where the girl, yeah, you have an internet relationship with this girl, but she's not really into you or anything like that. But that you can see men do have a non-sexual interest in women, a loving interest in women, a reciprocal exchange of care and affection with women when they're starting to spring for these surrogate or replacement type of services, whether that's an AI or to pay a girl to kind of be a, an intellectual prostitute or a... <laughs> no, uh, I'm trying to... like. The girlfriend experience, that's the number one thing in Vegas now. You don't pay for the sex. You pay for a girl to treat you nice, uh, which is sad but also very telling. We're men. They're not just these horn dogs that need to have sex. We're that and <laughs> we're that too. And it's like, well, we'd like to have a loving, caring human at the opposite side of that. But again, as the book would indicate, that's not going to be on the table for half of you. No, no. 
Yeah, there's a big market for those high-priced call girls. Like you're saying, you're a dentist and you need to go on that conference once a year and you want to take your pseudo-wife with you, you know, to the conference and show Mm -hmm. her off and the arm candy and the whole thing. Oh, heck yeah. Yep. (laughs) No, no, the number number one, the highest-priced commodity in the world is, how do I say it, female sexuality. I'll put it, the youth and beauty. And that's the way it's always been because that's why men got up in the morning is because, well, I can get me some of that. And that's why if you look – if you're a young, attractive gal, you're easily making surgeon money just for being beautiful, whereas a man, you know, you got to invest eight years in in grad school to do that. So, yeah, it's more valuable. It's the most valuable commodity out there, and men will pay for it. They can't get it through charm and love and romance and wooing. They'll pay for, but you know, one would make the cynical argument that in a divorce, you pay for it anyway. So no matter what, yeah, it's, it's that's what men want. All right, everybody. I think you should check out Aaron's book. It's truly fascinating. He answers the question, "What now?" or otherwise known as, "What am I going to do with my life if I don't have a family?" What are the other menu options? He'll tell you. Check out his book. Find it on Amazon. Find this one and other books on Amazon. Erin, do you have any closing comments, anything else you'd like to tell our audience? Yeah, I would I would like to tell both the men and women out there, especially the younger generation, that you are going to – this is the, the existential crisis facing your generation. This is the number one problem that's going to face pretty much everyone in the West. And to really appreciate the concept existence and sentience and life and that you're here to really tr- – one, to appreciate the fact so you don't do what Fred did, but two, get comfortable with the fact, accept the reality. You don't control it. Accept the reality that the opposite sex really doesn't want to have that much to do with you or certainly isn't going to bring to the table what you want. And to not kind of do what my generation did and kind of them the older generation, and that is have hope and waste your time pining and hoping and trying for something that was pretty futile to begin with because that is going to lessen your life. What I would recommend people do is get very familiar with the menu, get it, read it, and come up with a plan A, I would say, not plan B, but plan A is you're going to live your life. How are you going to live your life? How are you going to make your life count as much as it possibly can without the opposite sex? And live your life like that. And then always leave a door open. I mean, if a pretty girl asks you out or a pretty guy, if a handsome guy asks you out, you know, I'm not saying don't fall in love, but you cannot base your life on the assumption that you are going to get married, fall in love, let alone to a good person, let alone till death do you part and have kids. You cannot base your life on that. And so do not pine, do not hope. Do not waste your efforts and psychological energy on that. Go and execute and live your life to the best ability possible. And then it's kind of a gamble and a hope that you find that right person. But at least when you're on your deathbed, you will not have any regret. Like, oh, my gosh, I wasted those 20 years from puberty onto my 40s trying to find someone and there was no one. You will spare yourself a lot of pain and agony that elder generations suffered. One last question. I truly believe in biology. I think Mother Nature is not stupid, that she created hormones and synapses and certain bodily functions for a reason, and that reason is to procreate. Mm -hmm. So meaning that she didn't want the species to go extinct in 20, 30 years. So there are these bodily functions that exist in every human being to move that idea forward. Now, Mm -hmm. let's 
compare that to what's going on today. The stuff that we're talking about in the menu just did not fall from the sky. I mean, the powers that be have been planning this for decades to have the situation where the sexes are at odds with each other, sort of the opposite of continuing the species. You know, they want to depopulate. So do you feel that since this is all, well, in my belief, it's all a plan. It's all very well carefully planned. Do you think this will ever turn around and we go back to Mother Nature, go back to the reality of what it was before their intervention? Only for the reason that all empires fail and collapse. This is more of a, an economics question where in conjunction with the welfare state, we essentially pay people not to work. And if you have a welfare state that is backfilled, I guess is a way to put it where the current generation pays for the younger generation pays for the older generations. You do not have enough economic production to pay for all the promises that your welfare state made to previous generations. Inevitably, that will collapse and different empires collapse for different reasons. But inevitably, the economy will collapse or get to a point it cannot sustain the population or at least deliver on the promises it made to the people. And when a $5,000 monthly government check won't even buy a gallon of gas and people are hungry and above all else, when law and order is no longer in effect, we are going to go right back to our biological ancestral roots. And the law of nature will come back in full force. And all this nice feminist theory and we don't need men and, you know, there's not going to be sex dolls. There won't be porn. There won't be electricity. We're really going to go back really quick to square one and we'll repeat the process all over again. Uh, Fortunately, that will be very bad for everybody. Hundreds of millions, if not billions of people are going to die. But, yeah, we'll go back to it. But until 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 we need each other again, I don't think we're coming back to the trading post. We're not going to come to, to the table, the negotiating table anymore. Until women need guys to to survive, until men are like, well, you're your liability. What do you bring it to to me? I don't want some loud, fat type of person who's got attitude and liability. Until there is, is benefit in transacting and falling in love with one another. That is not going to happen. But, yeah, no, the time's coming. I don't know when. It could be 100 years from now. It could be 10, 10 days from now. I'm probably not 10 days. But as long as this current economic environment can be sustained, the sexes will not need each other. When that economic system can no longer be sustained, guarantee the sexes are going to need each other. <laughs> and uh, we will go back to good old nuclear families, probably even harems and slave trading. But I don't want to bore women with that unfortunate reality. But you'll find out when we get there. All right. Well, I'll look forward to that day because <laughs> what's going on right now makes me crazy. <laughs> don't like it one bit. All right. Thank you so kindly, Aaron, for coming on the show. We'll have to do this again. Always a pleasure. Thanks, Linda. All righty. Bye for now. Thank you, everybody. By the way, if you happen to have missed last week's show, we were talking to Dr. Jake, and we were talking about chiropractic health, and he's a world-renowned expert in chiropractic services, and he specializes in treating people that have conditions that have failed to yield results through traditional healthcare methods. Catch this show right here on blogtalkradio.com, or better yet, you can catch all seven years of my shows on iTunes, 
SoundCloud, TuneIn, and now we're on Spotify. And if we're not on those platforms, just type it into your search bar, The Men's Advocate Show, The Men's Advocate Show, and hopefully it'll come up on your favorite podcasting platform. All right, we're going to close out the show for now. Thank you so much. We will catch you next time right here on Blog Talk Radio with The Men's Advocate Show. Oh, a quick word for Aaron Clary's book, and then we'll close it out. My friend and colleague, Aaron Clary, he has a brand new book out. It's called The Menu, Life Without the Opposite Sex. So for all of human history, men and women have come together to form families. It may have been common, it may have been routine, but that's what they did. Generation after generation for all of human history, men and women formed families. Well, that is until now. So he is answering the question for you, is partnering up good for you in 2022? I know many men would say not so much, right? All right. So you got to check out his new book. It's called The Menu. I'll put it in my social media link so you can just click on it. You can catch it on Amazon. It's doing super well. The Menu. Catch that. Bye for now, everybody. We'll see you next week.